0: Light Breakfast with Asha and Nan, Brought to you by Maybank.
1: Today on K-Wave, we chat with K-pop professor, a.k.a. Dr. Sidabao Seiji, assistant professor in Korean and East Asian studies at Pusan National University about K-culture. Dr. Sidabao, how did you personally become interested in the culture of South Korea?
0: These days, a lot of people, they actually are really excited about Korea because of pop culture products, and they go to Korea with that excitement already. Um, But in my case, uh, since I went to Korea in the mid-90s, I actually went to Korea without knowing anything, and I didn't have a lot of high expectations so when i got to korea i just started to learn in order to be able to live you know in order to be able to find food i could eat and uh, i fell in love with the culture as i was in this process of learning about it and i think i might be lucky in one way in that i could learn directly instead of learning through other people's interpretations or misinterpretations.
1: I wonder if we could just quickly touch on sort of the the biggest wow um, when you kind of arrived. Wow. Um, I haven't
0: thought about that in a long time, I guess. I was really dealing with a lot of culture shock. I was pretty overwhelmed. It was my first time to live outside of the United States and I didn't know any korean at first and in those days there were no big box stores and there was very little imported food and when you went to the store you couldn't tell if something was sugar or like white sugar or white flour or cornstarch or salt unless you tried to feel the packaging that it was in you know Mm. and and so um I remember a lot of instances of going to the store because I wanted to buy something so that I could cook food and then coming home and needing to take a nap because I was so overwhelmed with the mental effort of like trying to figure out what everything was. And these days, uh, there's a lot of Korean um, on packaging still, but there's also English. And I, I don't think anybody would have that kind of challenge anymore (laughs) in korea yeah
2: i'd like to touch a little bit on this the fact is and it is a simple fact now that korean culture has absolutely taken the world by storm but what were the origins of the so-called k-wave how exactly did it blow up was it a group was it a song drama a movie according to to what you've seen
0: well different scholars are going to answer this question really differently um Some people really focus on K-dramas and their influence. And in that case, we can see that there was early success in Chinese speaking markets um, in China, Taiwan, Hong Kong in the 1990s. And then there was a very pivotal moment in 2004 with Winter Sonata in Japan. And so a lot of people talk about how K-dramas sort of pushed um, the the Korean wave uh, into other parts of Asia. And then other people who are more focused on music, they would talk about pivotal moments with H.O.T. entering the the Chinese market or boa really um, dominating in the Japanese market. And so we do have those early moments of K culture is starting to take off in East Asia and then increasingly moving into Southeast Asia. But it's really not. um, I mean, for a lot of people in the in the West, it's really not until Gangnam style that that there starts to be a a larger awareness or a larger conversation, even though Korean films were winning um, awards at, at Cannes and Venice Film Festival and there, there were Korean dramas streaming online and there were definitely K-pop fans uh, all, all around the world, but really Gangnam style is when perhaps there's a sort of tipping point between it being too niche for most people to know about and then sort of like worldwide recognition that, you know, Korea's got something exciting going on.
1: So. I'm interested, though, because, like, Gangnam Style blew up and it became very in- irritating because it was, like, on high repeat everywhere, you know, I mean, for that purpose only. But there seemed to be, I guess, from a lot of people's perspective, sort of a, a quietening down after that. So what do you think was that big freight train that came steaming in that really opened everything up um, for anything K, be it music, movies, TV shows?
0: Well... I do think that uh, BTS and particularly the pandemic and everybody turning to online sources of entertainment and looking for something new when they were just so bored uh, being stuck you know, in a in a in a shrunken world, e- even if you were still going out and going to work, you didn't have the entertainment options and stuff. So I, I do think that that BTS and also the pandemic um, increase Netflix being increasing international markets, you know, all of these things sort of came together to um, really help Korea hit, I guess, a new high, the, the, the high that that Korea's at now.
1: Korean pop music, as well as uh, the TV shows and movies seem to be of a, you know, relatively high quality when you, when you look around Asia. What was the, I guess, um, thought process behind such a high investment in terms of the Korean investment and, and I'm mean, entertainment industry? And did that triple or go up exponentially once, you know, um, Korea was on sort of the map in the rest of the world? And how so? Um,
0: Well, that's a really complex question. There's a lot of people that have uh, sort of misunderstandings about the Korean government's investment in the entertainment industry. And I think that one of the ways that we can really understand it is to say that the Korean government has been creating infrastructure, like physical infrastructure with having the fastest internet in the world that Korea really had broadband internet so much earlier. And this allowed switching to digital production, which um, brought down costs for a lot of different cultural content. Um, So there's that sort of situation going on knowledge infrastructure with a highly educated public with um, a, very early uh, adoption of having many departments for, for, Computer science and coding, and you know media studies—all of this. So there's a very strong educational background in Korea, and then the Korean government, um, starting from the from about 1994, 1995, really created a sort of legal infrastructure where they removed barriers, they removed red tape, and they um, passed laws that really facilitated uh, these cultural industries because they were being thought of as an industry in a country that has few natural resources. And like, how can we get a lot of people employed? Well, if we can employ them in these cultural industries, then how can we grow these industries? So as a government, removing legislative barriers like removing red tape or creating um, incentives with low interest loans that were preferentially given for investing into entertainment industries. You know, so these sorts of things um, behind the scenes by the government have been really influential. But there are people out there that um, sometimes take that government um interest and investment and they try to turn it to be something like, oh, the Korean government made Hallyu, the Korean government made K-pop, which is really a, really in- inaccurate because the Korean government's a bunch of, you know, older men who are not very creative, mostly with law backgrounds and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> These are not the guys who come up with a brand new way to present cultural content that can inspire audiences to, you know, switch to, to watching Korean uh, TV dramas or whatever.
1: In your opinion... And we know some K-pop bands do have non-Korean members in them. But couldn't all non-Korean group of people become a K-pop band?
0: Well, we have had some... Groups that have been doing that, I, I tend to call them like K-pop without the K, you know. <laughs> but but um, we we've, we've had some groups that have kind of done that. So like for example, there was a EXP edition that was created by a master student in the United States, and she was Korean. And then she was like, "Can I a- apply this model to non-Korean bodies?" Um, and then we've seen a Korean. Agencies or Korean management create these things, like the the Z girls and the Z boys, or you know something like you know SB nineteen or whatever, where you're applying this management style, this promotional style. But we've also seen other groups that are just perhaps they're in love with the look and uh, they're in love with the sound and they're trying to use it in whatever way, but they're not trying to be K-pop. They're not saying, Oh, we're a K-pop group. So, you know, groups like, I I guess, you know, 91 or like there are a lot of different um, solo artists and groups under Saint 319 entertainment in Vietnam. Uh, You know, Trinity, you know, Vera. you know, so there's there's so many different groups that when I listen to them or when I look at them, I see so much um, of K-pop echoing back at me. But they aren't necessarily billing themselves as being K-pop,
1: you know, so they just have that Hallyu umami.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the sprinkled sprinkled some you on there, <laughs> but, but why not? You know, one of the biggest changes I think that K-pop has made in the music industry around the world is that K-pop really embraced visualized music. That the music video was kind of the premier part of the package, and that the the look whether we're talking about synchronized dance or we're talking about how beautiful the stars are or fashion or just the constant changes, new camera angles every second, every two seconds. Um, so that visualized music and the way that K-pop has really sort of achieved a, a, a tremendous look there, we see that now being adopted um, in, in, by major artists, you know, all around the world, where they're looking for, they're looking for how to brand themselves ocularly. You know, mm, through the yeah, eyes. Yeah. Okay. In in a way that K-pop has done really, really well, and so I, I do think that they're that K-pop is pushing the larger worldwide music industry to put more budget into music videos to put more thought into creating fantastic visuals to go along with the music.
2: In your educated opinion, why did K-pop manage to do what J-pop never seemed to? I mean, Japanese have effectively the same thing. They have their dramas, they have their music, they have their movies and so on and so forth. But was that from lack of will or they just didn't want to?
0: Well, Japan has one other thing um, that Korea doesn't. And that is that they have a large enough population that they have enough consumers to support their industry. Mm. Mm. And so in Korea, there's been this like constant push for growth. And the only way to sustain the growth for a long time now, the only way to sustain the growth is through exports, through getting people to buy the the cultural products from outside of Korea. And um, Japan just hasn't pushed to, to go beyond what their domestic audience is able to support. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like the, you know, they don't actually need another audience and perhaps pleasing another audience. It might change the product in a way that, that people don't want with K-pop content, there's lots of intertextuality, but it's arguable that the intertextuality in Japanese pop culture is even thicker, and that intertextuality often creates a sort of barrier to outsiders, where it just, in Japanese popular culture, just can become, there are so many references to things that you're supposed to already know about that you can't even enjoy the product if you haven't been consuming Japanese popular culture for years, and I mean that's more most visible in TV on Japanese television, but you know it's it's still visible in the rest of the of the industry as well, and you know China also China's sitting over there, and their media market's still growing. They still have new people um, becoming consumers, and they just have such a giant population. But Korea, they're just sort of between a a rock and a hard place in that they can either have a really small industry, which won't produce enough variety to necessarily satisfy the audience. And then the audience will consume more foreign products or they can have an industry that's big enough that it is dependent on foreign markets, but is able to create so much variety that the domestic audience doesn't necessarily need as many foreign movies or foreign tv shows or foreign music as you know in many countries
2: would you rather be the main vocalist or the main rapper in a k-pop group
0: definitely the main rapper
2: oh but why
0: um because i think rappers get to like show more swag Mm. you know and they get to like They get to be really, really cool and kind of like aggressive. And often um, the rap will include like the mixed, more of the mixed English and Korean. And a lot of times the English comes in to express things that might be a little too racy to have in Korean with, you know, your parents uh, Mm. listening to Mm -hmm. the song as well. So, you know, you'll have like a little bit of, you know, Spicy language that the rappers are expressing
1: compared to the vocals. Okay. It's incredible because it's like you've really thought about this. <laughs> so I'm wondering whether you're a seeker or a rapper in a no, group. no, no, no. Okay. Next one. <laughs> would you rather star in a K pop music video or play the supporting role in a K drama?
0: Definitely play the supporting role in a K drama. Because if you had a, like a, a, you know, a pretty good role and you could be there the whole time, that would just be such a fascinating insider's look at that industry. And I would really love to, to get to see it from that perspective.
1: Okay.
2: Right. None. the last difficult ones for you. It's pretty dramatic, this one. Would mm-hmm. you rather be able to speak and understand Korean but never get to visit Korea? Or the reverse, visit Korea, but never be able to speak or understand Korean?
0: Well, after learning Korean, I've lived outside of Korea, and I've still been able to, you know, the internet is great, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can get all kinds of Korean articles and read the newspaper and, you know, contact my friends and stuff. So I I do think that that would be much better. Being here and not being able to speak Korean is kind of like, you know, perhaps being a a one-legged person in a two-legged world, Mm. you know, I I think that it slows down uh, and interferes with every aspect of, of life in Korea. And I really do not understand people who spend a long time here and don't learn the language.
1: That makes absolute sense. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Sita Bao Seiji, who is an assistant professor in Korean and East Asian studies at Pusan National University. You can hear that session again on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app.